Welcome to Full Body Frequency, the show that celebrates everything full-bodied and fabulous. I'm Laura Rice, cultural curator, fashion designer, and your guide through the Full Body Frequency experience. This is the current through which we will explore the truths and explode the myths about the lives and loves of plus-size women. Since our lives shouldn't depend on how others see us, neither does this show. Are you curious about the art of big body burlesque? Ms. Jelly Mae Jones stops by to help you shake your shimmy. Do you need advice on investing for a fat A retirement? Have you thought about life insurance or long-term care insurance? Well, you should. Candy Keys Winford of Country Financial will guide you through the process. Perhaps you want to hear more about the hottest spring and summer fashion while supporting the local economy then you'll want to stay put for retailer turned designer Camille Newman. She's the founder and CEO of Pop-Up Plus. Full Body Frequency returns with Ms. Jelly Mae Jones after this. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You've messed up your daughter's haircut. Do you, A, get spiritual? Mom, where's the mirror? Beauty is within. Oh. B. Find the positives. Less time blow drying, more time texting. Or C. Show empathy. Mom, you really don't have twinsies. I kind of love it. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on adoption, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Hey, everybody. Rachel Ray here. Nothing brings a bigger smile to my face than cooking up a big meal for the whole family and lots of friends. But there's not enough room at my table for the 17 million kids in our country who struggle with hunger. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks collects surplus food to give hope to hungry kids. But they can't do it without your help. Support Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council.
This is Laura Rice, and you're listening to Full Body Frequency. My first guest is no stranger to our listeners, Ms. Jelly Mae Jones, a fat acceptance activist, social media maven, and burlesque dancer who studied tap, ballet, modern jazz, and flamenco dance as a child. It must be jelly because jam don't shake like that. Ms. Jelly Mae Jones, welcome back to Full Body Frequency. So before we jump into the conversation, for listeners who don't know, what are the differences between striptease, pole dancing, and burlesque? Well, I'll start with pole because that's most obvious. Everybody knows when there's a pole there, it's a pole dance, and you don't usually have a lot of pole stand-up. Um, burlesque and stripping is a little bit more tricky. Professionals usually say that they're sisters, but they're not twins. Uh, so they both, of course, involve striptease, removal of clothing, usually accompanied to music. But burlesque tends to focus a little bit more on the artsy side, and stripping is more just monetary. You know, it's it's a salesman's job, you know, that you do fantastic things for your audience, um, usually trying to upsell and upgrade, you know, get them to buy drinks, get them to go to the champagne room. Burlesque, you tend to see a lot more props, uh, more costumes, and there also tends to be more of a range of emotions. You know, you don't usually see a comical stripper or sometimes an angry stripper, but often not. But burlesque is more of a storytelling so that there's more focus on the artistic side and usually a lot less, you know, a lot less dollars coming your way. So now what's the history of plus size bodies engaging in the art of burlesque? Um, that's a little bit harder to track. Um, I've been doing research on it, and you usually can find a couple of mentions of a few burlesque troops. Um, Fat Biden Review, for example, was famously covered in Leader Nimoy's book, um, Full Body Project. But you usually hear more about individual performers who are successful, as opposed to, for example, when you look into the history of black burlesque or look into different cities and different stylist movements. Part of it, I think, is is because, you know, apart from being the dirty little secret burlesque, is that plus size is such a wide-ranging description. You know, there are some people who are very famous plus size performers who are more sort of a size 16 or, or an average woman's size. They might be, I think that they're plus size in the way that Sports Illustrated models are plus size, that, you know, that the first Sports Illustrated swimsuit models is size 10, but right. that's plus size for Sports Illustrated. And so in that same vein, you'll have, you know, plus size performers who are blessed dancers who, you know, might just be really top heavy, but not necessarily what the average person would consider, you know, even thick or thicky thick. I am anywhere from a size 24 to a 28, so I am safely plus size any <laughs> performance stage that I'm on. So now what was your journey to burlesque? I'm not really sure myself. I used to dance in my youth, as you mentioned, before I knew that dancers weren't supposed to be fat. And in my journey, I learned that, you know, I'd lost the weight and then I regained the weight. And as I regained the weight, I stopped dancing. And a couple of years ago, I got tired of my size being my excuse to not dance. Um, so I went back and took some flamenco lessons. And somewhere along the way, I came across some videos from Jesus Juke Joint, which is an all-black burlesque review. Um, and it was the first time that I had really connected with the art. I saw people who looked like me. I saw cultural references that I recognized, music that was familiar, and a variety of bodies. There was a performer, Anita Wilmore, who was not at all plus size, who did this really moving act. And I remember watching it thinking, I could do that, like, in three years. And maybe after I lose like half my body weight. So I did what everybody does when they want to try something new. I bought a Groupon 
And then I sat on it for six to nine months and eventually took my first class. And it's been that journey for the last couple of years. Got your burlesque on with Groupon. All right. You're listening to Full Body Frequency. This is Laura Rice, and I'm joined by Ms. Jelly Mae Jones, a leading figure in the plus-size world of burlesque in the Midwest. If you've missed any part of the show, head on over to soundcloud.com forward slash fullbodyfrequency, or you can tune in at stitcher.com. So last year this time, you were a member of a plus-size burlesque troupe. Now you're a solo artist. Talk a little bit about that transition and the differences in your work production and performance opportunities. Well, you're right. This time last year, I was with uh, Femme Fatale, who was a plus-size burlesque troupe, um, a newly formed troupe, and we did some really great shows over the course of last year. But their focus was more on plus-size body-positive advocacy, and I really wanted to focus more on dance and letting that be sort of my medium of protest, if you will. So we parted ways, and I did some independent shows. I had my first festival back in my hometown in Topeka, Kansas last fall. Um, I'm laughing because it's, it's fun going back home to see people that you haven't seen for 20 years and saying, hey, let's catch up. Want to come see me topless? Um, and, um, and slightly after that, as I was kind of looking around for other festivals and thinking, well, what was my next steps going to be? I saw an ad for Better Booby Bureau. Say that five times fast, Better Booby Bureau. And fortunately, I was what they were looking for. They're here in Chicago. They are not a plus-size exclusive troupe. Um, their tagline is that they are Chicago's um, buffet of burlesque. And so they aim to explore diversity as much as possible, whether it's color, size, gender fluidity. And so far, it, I've only done a couple of shows with them, but it's been a really great fit. Their main focus is delivering really quality shows and through their content, showing that that doesn't have to be limited to girls who are size six and blonde. During your performances, you often incorporate a number of props, including clothing, which are purposefully used in your choreography. Why the highly narrative, subtly seductive style instead of a straight ahead bump, grind, and reveal? It's kind of two reasons. One is just straight up body insecurity. I tell people that I can do anything for three and a half minutes. You know, when people meet me and find out I do burlesque, they're like, wow, you must be so body confident. And I'm like, no, I live in practically burkas every day. But I do think that we can find little bits of bravery here and there. And I have never gone into an audience and said, yeah, here's a room full of people that really want to see me naked right now. So I tend to be a little bit more modest in my costuming and, and don't go for the straight glove peels and a girl in a fancy dress. The second part is just really wanting to entertain myself. I realize that as an audience member, it can very quickly go from being sort of titillated and scandalized by increasingly nude ladies on the stage to being kind of bored, like, oh, yeah, there's another girl in you know, panties and pasties with opera gloves on. So I really want it to be something that's interesting. And when I'm in a show or in a festival and they've seen, you know, a parade of, of glitter and bras and tassels and they see me coming out on stage in a hoodie and track pants, they're like, well, where, where, where's this going? <laughs> you know, what, what's going on here? As far as props, you know, one of my acts, you know, I'm, I'm kicking a bathroom scale and really who among us hasn't wanted to do that at some point in time. So if they weren't paying attention before, they definitely pay attention then. Then to end up from there, you know, to go from 
fully clothed, sweatpants, trying to work out and battling with my scale to ending it half naked and, and trailing tassels on my boobs, the audience has kind of gone through that journey with me. And so that my victory at the end becomes sort of a collective victory. You know, so instead of looking at me or any other girl on the stage and saying, wow, that's really brave and she looks really great, but I could never do that. They get insight as to how I did it and how I got there. It's sort of a three and a half minute lesson of my journey as a plus size dancer. And I've been really surprised at the number of people it resonates with, many of whom are not plus size, but that they just, we all know we have our own body issues or just things that intimidate and scare us. I like to do things that make everybody feel empowered by the end of it, not just me. I have to say, when I've seen you dance, I feel very liberated by watching you. So thank you for that. (laughs) Thanks for being in the audience. (laughs) You're welcome. It's a lot less less liberating dancing to an empty room. (laughs) (laughs) So give us three words. Why burlesque for plus size women? Just three words. Why the hell not? (laughs) I'm using the hell (laughs) with one word there. There we go. There we go. What resources are there for plus size women who'd like to explore burlesque? I am a nerd and, you know, I was a library kid. And so whenever I have questions, my first thing is go to the library, go to Google. For me, I definitely have spent many, many hours going online and looking up performers, looking up local performances. I'm here in Chicago and we have a pretty thriving burlesque scene, but I'm really surprised at where it's cropping up places. I just did a festival last month in Madison, Wisconsin, and they have, I think they said the number was quintupled, their number of studios and shows just within the last year. It just has kind of overnight boomed. And so I think that no matter where people are, where they're listening from, they might not think that there is something in their area, but if they do a little digging online, they will probably find, you know, within 90 minutes, there is some place that's doing a show, whether they do it in a bar or at a theater, there's some opportunity to go see live burlesque and, and go talk to the performers. We love talking to people about what we're doing and inviting people to come do it, telling them where we took classes. You know, people have a lot of different stories as to how they got into burlesque. There's a lot of former dancers. Some people were fire eaters. They were doing more of the circus aerial acts and then got into burlesque. Some came through the strip club route. There's a lot of different ways to make their journey. And so I think now's a great time, particularly um, for people of size and, and women of color, especially to journey out into burlesque because audiences are hungry to see themselves reflected and are really eager to see somebody that's other than the, the sort of Barbie stereotype that they've been told it is burlesque is for. Well, that said, where can we see you and all of your jelliness? <laughs> well, my jelly is next going to be shaking at the Windy City Burlesque Festival this June. I am performing the open night, the local show. Um, it's my first year with the Chicago Festival and the the routine that we were referring to earlier where I kicked the bathroom scale. It's the first time that I'm doing it here for Chicago audiences, so I'm really excited about that. I will also be performing with my troupe, Better Booby Bureau, in July at the Elbow Room. We're doing a set that's themed, it's a summer-themed set called Camp Booty, going off to camp for the summer. So we've got Camp Booty 
And that will be at the Elbow Room July 17th. For more information about Ms. Jelly Mae Jones and her upcoming appearances, please visit Ms. Jelly Mae Jones on Facebook or the Full Body Frequency Facebook page. And while you're there, don't forget to like us. Ms. Jelly Mae Jones, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Laura. After this break, we'll return with Candy Keys Winford, an investment professional. She'll get you on the right road to successful retirement investing. No, it's not too late to begin. Me, down here. Ugh, what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. What are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. It's been a long time since we've had an adventure in the forest. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. You're right. I should get out. Yeah, the forest is not that far away. Hey, Mom! Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. And my next guest and I are ready to tackle the daunting task of the who, what, why of retirement investing, long-term care insurance, and life insurance. Candy Keys Winford of Country Financial, welcome to Full Body Frequency. Hi, how are you? Good, good. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm happy to be here. Candy, there's so many of us who are transitioning from traditional work life to entrepreneurship, to graduate school, or other work opportunities with reduced or no retirement vehicles. That said, this transition often includes walking away from 401ks and 403bs and life and long-term care insurance. Plus, there's a tremendous amount of information to consider. There's a decision to hold, roll over, or invest in new funds. All of that can be daunting. 
And yet so many of us try to figure it out on our own without professional help. And of course, we're thinking that we may be saving money, especially if we aren't sure who to trust with our financial futures. So why a financial advisor? And how can we find a reputable one? So first of all, financial advisors are actually trained in those areas. Um, what we do is we sit down, we gather information, and we do an assessment about what you're trying to do currently, your future goals. What we try to do is we try to make it work for you based on what you're trying to do. To find a reputable one, word of mouth, like referrals, or you can actually go online. You can find, you can go to your Department of Insurance, or you can check out FINRA.org. Spell that for us. FINRA.org, F-I-N-R-A. Those are our regulators. Okay, great. What are some of the things that we need to consider before working with one? I mean, the, the thing that I think about most is fee-based, fee or commission-based, commission-based only, and then what kind of investment products they offer. I'm pretty aggressive when it comes to uh, my investment vehicles, but then there's some people who are conservative or who are interested in socially responsible funds. So how, how, what role do those play? We have to sit down with the investment advisor, and when they gather that information, there's an assessment questionnaire that we're supposed to give to our clients, which would tell you whether you're conservative, if you're aggressive, if you're moderate. And then we base doing your investments on that questionnaire. There are some other things that you want to make sure that you actually interview your investment advisor to make sure that it's somebody that's going to have your best interest at hand. One of the things you said, or you were talking about fee-based, commission-based, commission and fee-based. Well, I can speak for myself. As I get paid off of commissions on the products that I may sell, but I do not charge a fee for sitting down with clients to actually prepare a plan for them. So that's something that customers should consider because when you're sitting down with someone and they're charging a fee, they might kind of want to push off what they feel like they want you to have, whereas they're not really considering what you need. If there's no fee to sit down with a planner, then you don't have to worry about that pressure. That's a really good thing to have. So if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Full Body Frequency. My guest this segment is Candy Keys Winford, a financial planning expert with Country Financial. So now, what are the options for securing new or continuing to contribute to retirement vehicles? You can do an IRA. You can, you can call your advisor up and say, you know what, I want to start putting money away for retirement. There's a lot of different investments that you can actually get into. It depends on what you want to do. If you want your money to be liquid, you might want to kind of go mutual funds. If you want to do a retirement plan, you just got to consider that you cannot take that money out until you're 59 and a half because you will get penalized. You just mentioned a retirement age. Are there differences in ages between traditional and Roth IRAs and mutual funds or mutual funds, a condition of time? How does that work? With mutual funds, 
Um, if you're just doing retail mutual fund, then you don't have to worry about like time limits. Now, if you're doing a mutual fund that's a retirement mutual fund, the number is across the board, 59 and a half. If you take your money out of those vehicles before you reach 59 and a half, you're going to get hit with a penalty for pulling your money out beforehand because it's considered a retirement plan. Okay. And what does that penalty look like? It's 10% of whatever your funds are in there. Oh, that can be really considerable. Yes, it can. So obviously there's some tax advantages for keeping your money in. What it is is it's deferred. So they defer the taxes until you start pulling out. With a Roth, it's already been taxed. It's after tax dollars. So it's like you get your paycheck and then you actually take that money and you put it into an IRA. Or you can roll over, like you were stating, 401s and 403Bs. You can take that money and you can roll that over because it's already deferred. So you want to keep that in something deferred until you're ready to pull it out. So now we're all living longer and we often don't think about long-term care insurance as an option because premiums can be so expensive. What is long-term care insurance and what are its benefits? Meaning what expenses will it cover in the, in, in the case that we need to use it? Okay, so long-term care, you're right, it is very, very expensive. But long-term care is a person who has, it's insurance for people who have a long physical illness or a cognitive impairment, such as like Alzheimer's disease or they don't have the use of activities of daily living. And what that means is bathing, eating, dressing, toileting, continence, or transferring. So what it does is it kind of makes things a little bit easier. So like if you do have any long-term illnesses that you don't have to go into what you call the standard nursing home um, that nobody likes to go to, but maybe you can stay at home and have a nurse come to you, or maybe you can be in an assisted living facility. It takes care of the the money that would pay for your stay there. So it can be quite expensive. Now, are there considerations for plus-size people? If you're overweight, yes, it would be a problem. Now, what does that look like in terms of are the premiums higher or... Sometimes, no, you can be declined if you don't meet the weight standards because it's affecting your health. It's affecting your health in terms of the way the insurance industry looks at it. Yes. Okay. Whether or not you have any kind of diseases or disabilities as supposedly related to being overweight. Right. Because they look at it, so they do have like a standard where they do a check, so it has to go through underwriting. So they'll check, like, weight standards. They'll send for your medical records to make sure that you don't have anything that would prevent you from having the long-term care. Okay. So essentially, if you have a pre-existing condition, whether you're overweight or underweight or average size weight, you could be eliminated from from purchasing long-term care. They recommend that you start looking at long-term care in your 40s. Wow. Okay. So the time is now for a lot of our listeners. Exactly. Yeah. Between your 40s and 50s. This is Laura Rice and you're listening to Full Body Frequency. If you've just tuned in, I'm talking to country financial representative Candy Keys Winford about insurance. To listen to the show in its entirety, visit soundcloud.com forward slash Frequency or visit stitcher.com. 
So let's talk a little bit about life insurance now. Besides not having your family use your bank accounts, which could be part of their inheritance, or even pay out of their pockets to funeralize you, what are the benefits of investing in life insurance? You can leave a legacy to your family as an inheritance. As the Bible says that you should leave an inheritance to your children and your children's children. Well, if you really don't have like a savings, this could be one way you can do it, where you can leave a legacy for your family. You can use it as a burial. You can also use it as a living benefit. You can use it as retirement money. You can use it as college funds. You can use it for a down payment on a house. It just depends on what you want to use the life insurance for. A lot of people come in and they just want, you know, just life insurance. Just, I need something to cover me when I die, and that's it. Some people want to leave their family something so they don't have to struggle anymore. So, I mean, it just depends. That's why you have to have a good advisor to sit down and listen to what your goals are or what you're trying to do so that they can set that up for you. What are the difference between term and whole life insurance? I mean, there's a lot of confusion about those terms. Okay. Yeah, there is. And you get a lot of people say, oh, term is bad and whole life is bad. There's no insurance that's bad. Let's put it this way. Life insurance that's in place when you die, it's good. Because nobody's going to ask what kind of policy it was. They're going to say how much and when can I collect that money. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Term insurance is exactly that term. Look at it as renting. Like, you know how you rent an apartment and you have a lease and that lease is locked in for a year? Well, that's how term insurance is. You can get a 10-year, you can get a 20-year term, you can get a ter- a 30-year term. Those rates are locked in for that amount of time. So, for example, let's use a 10-year term. Let's say, okay, so $10 a month for 10 years, that rate is locked in. Year 11, you're going to see an increase. Year 12, you're going to see an increase. So where it starts to get expensive is when you get up in age and you can't handle those premiums because now you're out of that term and it's an annual renewable term. Home life insurance is a policy that when you get it, it's a rate that's locked in. So once you start paying that premium, as long as you pay those premiums, you won't have to worry about the premiums ever going up because you're locked in. It's a little bit more expensive, and depending on what company you go with, you will probably get maybe dividends back or it can send you a check back or they can buy up additional coverage. Some companies don't have dividends, and they might have like a little cash value or interest rate that they add on to it, but it's a schedule that the company builds into their policies. So give Full Body Frequency listeners one parting word of advice. And it actually doesn't even have to be one word, but just give us some advice before you leave. I feel like that when you start to do financial planning, whether it's starting with retirement, it's starting life insurance, long-term care, you need to start early. I know we hear a lot of people say that I can't afford it, but yeah, you can. If you start early enough, and being you're healthy at that time, get those things in place because you don't know what the future holds. For listeners who want to learn more and connect with you, how can you be reached? My phone number is 773-487-0923.
Well, Candy, thank you for joining Full Body Frequency today. For more information about finding a financial advisor, check out the May 2016 issue of Essence Magazine. To learn more about Candy Keys Winford and her financial planning services via Country Financial, visit the Full Body Frequency Facebook page. After this break, Full Body Frequency returns with Camille Newman, founder and CEO of Pop Up Plus. She's a retailer, clothing designer, and local manufacturing champion. Stay tuned. Driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. And if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Full Body Frequency. I'm Laura Rice. If you own a tutu dress, then you have Pop-Up Plus to thank. Founder and CEO Camille Newman started off with entrepreneurial dreams of clothing petite plus-size women. Since then, Newman has widened the scope of her business model and founded Pop-Up Plus, a mobile brick-and-mortar business with a serious online presence for curvy trendsetters, sizes 14 and up. Now Camille is taking another gamble with her latest project, Body by Love. Not only is she the line's designer, this venture is being manufactured just outside New York City. Camille Newman, thanks so much for joining Full Body Frequency today. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. So let's just get started with this. 
Bloomberg.com just published an article entitled, Retailers Ignore Most of America's Women. The article leads with the statement, retailers have a plus-size problem. And it continues with, clothing retailers across the board are struggling to grow sales. So you'd think, faced with a $20 billion market opportunity, in a category outpacing the overall industry, retailers would be eager to jump on board. Not exactly. Annual U.S. sales of women's plus-size apparel, often defined as Missy's sizes 14 and higher, rose by 17% to $20.4 billion in 2016, from $17.4 billion in 2013. During that time, overall apparel sales increased by 7%, according to the NPD Group. Customer demand could push sales of plus-size clothing even higher if only retailers would fully embrace the category. So, Camille, where does Pop-Up Plus figure into the plus-size retail matrix? And what does Camille Newman know and do that larger retailers like Macy's don't? Well, Papa Plus was started from my own uh, challenges finding clothing to actually go out on a date. I tell this story all the time. I got asked out on a date. I couldn't find anything to wear in major retail stores, and I decided that I never wanted any curvy girls to ever feel like that again. So I, I made it my life's mission to start a company that sold after five wear, social apparel, birthdays, whatever your special moments were. Um, I started Pop-Up Plus for this very reason. I think uh, the challenge with retailers um, – it's not that many of them haven't tried because I have been in the retail industry for 15 years working for such companies. I think what happens with retailers is that uh, plus-size customers as well as petites and other categories demand uh, very uh, refined attention in terms of fit and design and just really getting to understand the customer. And a lot of these corporations are really concerned um, about their Bottom line, many corporations, especially these retailers, are really um, for the shareholder. So they're all about driving that profit. And what Papa Plus does is we really take time to listen to our customers. We're very close to our customers. We talk to our customers regularly. We know our customers' birthdays. We understand who our unique customer is. So that really helps us pick inventory that is specially curated for our customer. I think that's what distinguishes Pop-Up Plus from a lot of retailers. And it's just getting us to scale up, meaning to become a bigger version of that. That's really my desire at this point. So it really sounds like you offer a unique customer service opportunity for your customers. Definitely unique customer service and also just unique apparel choices. We really comb the market for the best of what we can find. Ideally, we would prefer to manufacture everything that we carry, but until we're at that point, we're busily curating. And I know that might not sound like a big deal for many people out there, but it's so much plus size product. I would say 90% of it is kind of terrible (laughs) and Mm. we're looking for the best 10% and we're presenting our customers, you know, how to wear it with a clutch, wear it with these shoes, really more creating a beautiful aesthetic for our customer. I think Papa Plus, we, we have an A in that area of how we present the product. A lot of plus size retailers just kind of throw it on a model and they're out happy and, (laughs) you know, (laughs) photographing somewhere, you know, and we really 
make a big deal of making that customer look sexy and feel confident about our body. It's very important for me that curvy women always feel great. Well, as I mentioned earlier, Pop-Up Plus is responsible for the creation of the tutu dress. And most on-trend plus-size clothing retailers have followed suit and have created their own versions of it. What was Pop-Up Plus's inspiration for the tutu dress? Our inspiration for the tutu dress, maybe in, I would like to say in 2012, we carried tutus and we could not keep them in. And, I mean, we sold probably 150 tutus, I think, that year. And we realized that our curvy girls have an affinity for tutus. And so we realized that wearing a tutu is kind of somewhat a special occasion event, especially the long ones. And we decided, how can a girl have a tutu every day and Mm. still, you know, look fabulous? So we're like, why not we put, why don't we put a bodycon dress on the top, form-fitting, and put a little dash of the tutu on the bottom so she still has that flair and pizzazz, but still can wear it for like an everyday event, like a party or baby shower, which is a lot of the events that our customers shop for with us. And that's how we came up with the tutu dress. And yes, a lot of retailers have followed suit. And so for those who missed the first tutu train, are there more opportunities to jump on board of this continuing trend? Well, the tutu trend has somewhat slowed down. I won't say that we won't bring it back, but um, for Papa Plus, trend is everything. If you're looking for the company that's going to sell basic T-shirts, we're not it. Uh, mm-hmm. We want to make sure plus-size women are always on the cutting edge of trend because when we enter the market, we realize that that's what what was really missing. Our curvy girls wanted to look just like their smaller size sisters and uh, wanted to wear the same things like sweetheart neck dresses or bodycon dresses. We got a lot of requests for those type of items. And so that's why we decided to move in that trendy direction. So I'm sure the tutu will make a comeback because everything in fashion goes around and comes around again. (laughs) But if and when it does, know that we will always be there. All right. Well, I love many of the fashion forward and trend pieces available for plus size women now. It's amazing. However, I don't love the lack of standard sizing between clothing lines. Many of these pieces are manufactured up to a junior plus 3X, which when translated is a size 20. So why is that? We do carry Junior Plus 3X. We have since introduced a new line, Body by Love, which is trying to conquer that issue with made-to-order pieces up to a 5X. But I will tell you, as someone who's worked in the retail industry for a long time before starting my own company, everything is for pattern, fit, and the cost of fabric. I know a lot of my plus-size customers don't want to hear me say this, but if you want a garment that is high-quality, fits appropriately, and is standard sizing across the board, we're going to have to pay more. And in this kind of industry with fast fashion, that is hard to justify the cost. And it's kind of very cyclical and actually hurts independent designers because in the end, I think there are a lot of independent designers that are really trailblazing in the plus-size market, but because they're unable to meet both the cost to manufacture and the large units required in, say, an international country like China, 
and they're also having challenges meeting the demand of the customer on this end for a cheaper product, a lot of them fold. I have watched a lot of plus-size independent brands, great independent brands, really come and go. So just to answer that question, I think most of the retailers out there stop at a 3X or a 20 because they're able to fit within a certain framework for cost and fabric and also demand of the cost that the customer requires. I always like to challenge my plus-size customers on this. In straight sizes, for example, in Versace, you can buy a $1,000 dress. But for the girl that cannot afford a $1,000 Versace dress, she may trade down to a $400 dress. And so what we need to challenge our customers to do as plus sizes is that we need to demand more high-end plus size that fits more appropriately. But we also, as customers, have to be willing to pay what's required so that we can keep these kinds of designers and more standardized sizing in the market. Well, absolutely. I'm on board that train, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I know you've always been since we met. The market studies, unfortunately, don't suggest that. And I think there was a blogger, Style It, that actually wrote an article in Time magazine a couple of years ago talking about this very problem. It's a very real problem that we really have to educate our customers about. Well, this is Full Body Frequency, and I'm Laura Rice. My guest this segment is Camille Newman, the founder and CEO of Pop-Up Plus, an online and pop-up shop for curvy trendsetters, sizes 14 and up. Camille is a member of the Facebook Small Business Council and was a featured speaker at Black Enterprises' recent Entrepreneur Summit. You've recently created the Body by Love line, which is featured on the Pop-Up Plus website. Again, what was the idea for creating Body by Love and how does it factor into Pop-Up Plus's overarching mission? Uh, I have so much passion for Body by Love, Laura. I can't <laughs> can't tell you how much. <laughs> Um, It fulfills a lot of needs. Like I said earlier, Papa Plus, we do carry Junior Plus apparel on our site. However, I actually take it personally as a founder when we get an email from a customer that loved an outfit that we sell, but it doesn't come in her size and she might be a 4X or 5X. So Body by Love was started to cater to sizes 1X to 5X. Um, in more standardized sizing, as we discussed earlier, so women sizing true plus sizes. And what we're trying to do with the line is celebrate fashionable curvy women, trendy curvy women, but in fabric that actually fits and still flatters. And the price point is higher, but mm-hmm. it's all Body by Love is also very dear to me because we are making it in a small factory in Long Island. With so much on your plate, and as I mentioned earlier, you're a retailer turned designer. Why is manufacturing locally so important to your business and to you personally? Truth be told, I am a politician at heart. Okay. <laughs> so- <laughs> I am all about politics, and one of the things that the political uh, scene we're talking about right now is the middle class of America is quickly disappearing because a lot of middle class Americans had manufacturing jobs back in the day. You could make $15 an hour and buy a home, support your family, and send your kids to school. What has happened, manufacturing base of the United States disappearing to different countries, it has left the middle class in turmoil. And so my goal through my business 
is not only yes to profit, but also to give back in a very sustainable way. Um, I've always been like that, always looking for a way to whether give to charity, a a charity, the mustard seed charity that we support, or in Mm -hmm. this new initiative with this factory in Long Island. So not only was the Body by Love born out of my desire to make sure that we can make clothes for most plus-size women up to a 5X, but we are supporting this small factory in Long Island that was about to close. We get along with other businesses there able to remain open. And so this is why Body by Love is particularly important to my heart because we're providing local jobs right here in our local economy in New York. It's a myth, you know, uh, people from the outside looking in at the state of New York that everyone here presumably would have, you know, a, a dearth of cash. But we do have a jobs issue here, and a lot of it is because the manufacturing base of New York has disappeared. So in addition to just leading the charge for plus-size women, I have now taken on this initiative to provide local jobs in my local community. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Full Body Frequency. I'm Laura Rice, and we're talking with Papa Plus founder and CEO now designer, Camille Newman. Now, Camille, before you go, share your top clothing must-haves for spring and summer. Oh, so many to name. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For a plus-size girl, I have to say color, 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 and more color. Um, My plus-size customers tend to... Um, shy away from color, and this is the season where we really should embrace it. Um, orange is going to be a trending color this uh, spring and summer, also yellow. Um, and so I really encourage my customers to take that on. Um, in terms of just clothing items off the shoulder, if you're not wearing an off-the-shoulder top or off-the-shoulder dress, I mean, you're just not trending. <laughs> But the reason why off-the-shoulder trend is so great for plus size is because many of us don't like to show our arms. But what off-the-shoulder dresses can do for us is just it gives you a peekaboo of the shoulder and still covers your arms. So I would definitely look for that trend. That's a great trend that um, curvy girls can capitalize on. Also, the uh, pant above the ankle, so kind of like midi capri not quite capri but slightly longer those mm-hmm. pants are also great you can pair those with a off-the-shoulder top or any other top you choose with a great uh, color pump for a pop of color and that's also a great spring trend i mean there's so many to name but i think my fave is really off-the-shoulder dresses because i'm a person that i hate showing my shoulders so lately everything <laughs> My closet is off the shoulder. And um, I think it's a great trend for curvy girls. And of course, you can find that and more at papaplusonline.com. Camille Newman, thanks so much for being with Full Body Frequency today. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So for more information about where Pop-Up Plus will pop up next or to shop online, visit popupplusonline.com. After this final break, Full Body Frequency is back with this week's Plus One. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. Feedthepig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to start foraging wild berries. I was skeptical, but these are actually pretty good. You don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. 
You just need feedthepig.org. Don't get left behind. Get tips and tools at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council.
This week's Plus One, along with all of this week's segment music, is played in tribute to the one and only Prince Rogers Nelson. No explanation needed. Until next time, tune into your own full body frequency where large is luscious living. 